Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. This morning, just as we've been considering God speaking to us and us seeing Jesus, um, I just was really taken by the fact that how, how many people here just pictured Jesus in whichever way we kind of imagine him? Um, maybe, who's Lovejoy? He didn't play Jesus, did he? No. Different people who've played Jesus over the years. Who was in the... Robert Powell, thank you. He's your Jesus, okay. Who's watched The Chosen recently? Yeah, I think that's a better rendering, isn't it? You know, how the guy from Lost. But, you know, however we picture him in our imagination, in our mind's eye, did anybody see that and get a sense of his love for us this morning? You know, we'll never really know him in that way until we see him face to face elements of that are a mystery but we can experience and encounter his love and I I could picture him the person the man God Jesus Christ but also I thought in this room is an expression of Jesus Christ that I am worshipping him but I'm in the context of his body and however he wants to reveal himself part of that a huge part of that is through us. So have a little look around. If you wonder what Jesus looks like, there's hints of him, facets of him, in this room, in flesh and blood, with spirit-filled men and women who've been redeemed by God. And that encourages me, and that blesses me, and I can look out at you, all of your wonderful, mostly smiling faces right now, and think, I see Jesus revealed with a family of God, with the body of Christ. And one of the things that I really wanted to uh, ask to spend a bit of time looking at, and we've, we've been talking about this for quite a while now, is just some of the things that define us as a church, some of our family values, our Living Rock Church family values. And I just want to start by looking at a few scriptures, just skipping through some scriptures quickly. So if you could just turn to Luke 11, please. And we're gonna, if you could open your Bibles and uh, turn the pages with me, and we're just going to read a handful of verses just to set the scene a little bit. And then I'm going to invite some different people to come and share this morning who I believe have got something to um, help us practically and inspire us in our family values. But um, Luke 11, 17. I love this. Jesus knew their thoughts. (laughs) So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Jesus is talking about the difference between unity and discord, between harmony and and, and discord. And he's saying any family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Now, I'm not reading that verse because I'm aware of any feuding. Okay, there's no blood feuds in Living Rock Church. But what is the flip side is unity keeps us together and it's powerful and it's effective. And it's part of the prayer that uh, Josiah read earlier, actually, the significance of that. And we're going to jump into Acts 2 and while you turn into Acts 2, Jesus only talks specifically about the church twice, in, once in Matthew 16 and once in Matthew 18. But what is true when he talks about the church is, A, that there's a revelation in the church of who Jesus is, that he's Lord and Messiah. That's the rock on which the church is built. That revelation of who Jesus is is the, the rock, the, the, the bedrock on which the church is built. And that the church is involved in something really significant. It's involved in, in heavenly affairs, heavenly matters. And part of what the church is here to do, a big part of what the church is here to do, is bring heavenly culture 
and heavenly values and heavenly realities to be brought brought to bear in the earth. So he says, whatever's been bound in heaven, you bind on earth. If it's not working in heaven because it's not free to work in heaven, then so be it on earth. May that be sickness, may that be anxiety or fear or whatever it might be. And whatever is free and roaming and, and, and abundant in heaven, then let that be loosed on the earth. Peace, righteousness, justice, health, wholeness to an ultimate salvation. And the church is involved in that binding and loosing. The, the loosing and of a heavenly culture and the binding of anything that is unheavenly in the earth. Isn't that amazing? That we have a part to play in that. And then in Acts 2, just after we know Jesus has ascended and he's told his disciples to wait and they are waiting and 10 days later the Holy Spirit is poured out and the disciples, 120, pour out onto the streets and, and this is the outcome after 3,000 are saved and added to the church in Acts 2, 42. It says all of the believers, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's to the word. And to fellowship, that means relationships, invested in relationships. And to sharing in meals, they ate together. Praise God, I love that. I mean, I love the word and I love relationships as well. And including the Lord's Supper. It's interesting, Luke mentions the Lord's Supper twice in this little portion. And to prayer. Devoted to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. There it is again. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I never get tired of reading those verses. I don't know how many times I've read those verses. I'm never, ever tired of it because this is the church. This is us. This is a vibrant, powerful, generous, worshipful, prayerful, eating, Christ-centered, thankful, hopeful, growing church. That's us, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you just jump into Acts 2, 32, there's another little description from Luke about this growing church. And in spite of growth, all the believers were united in heart and mind. I I just added in spite of growth. That isn't in the Bible. But the church is growing. And it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt what they owned wasn't their own, so they shared everything they had. This is Acts 4.32. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. Wonderful verses of a growing, united, generous people. And then we're just going to read in Colossians 3, our final little um, set of verses. Colossians 3, uh, 10 to 17. And then we're going to just pick up a few things together this morning so Colossians 3.10 says put on your new new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him who has a new nature in this room this morning we've been saved we're new creations the old is gone the new has come we have new natures 
And in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Welsh or English. I, don't know, I didn't necessarily equate the Welsh to the Jews and the English to the Gentiles, but that wasn't what was meant to happen. Doesn't matter which nation you might be from in the Commonwealth or in the, on the planet, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. I love that verse. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Obviously, that doesn't apply to our church. We are a fault-free zone. <laughs> Forgive anyone who offends you. Again, it doesn't apply to us. We are an offense-free zone. Nobody's offending anybody. Nobody needs to make allowance for each other's faults because we're all perfect in this room. Are we agreed? Well, hang on a minute. But no, make allowance for each other's faults. But, but Lord, this is your church, absolutely. There's going to be plenty of faults. Forgive one, and anyone who offends you. But Lord, this is your church. Yep, yeah, and people will offend you. Sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. What do we do? We forgive. Why? Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must. You should. You might, no. you must yeah. forgive others. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on this a minute. Not because, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm picking up things, but I just believe the Holy Spirit really wants us to understand these principles this morning. Yeah. That we will offend, there will be faults, but our responsibility, my responsibility to you, is that if you offend me, or if there's a fault that I get the, the rough end of, I am to forgive you. Yes. I must. Yes. Why? Because he's forgiven me. Yeah. Exactly. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sings harms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. Sorry, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I love these verses. And I love seeing the abundant evidence of these verses outworked in this church. I love being part of this church family. I feel so privileged to be part of this church family. I feel like this is the best church on the planet. I'm proud, rightly proud, to be part of this church family, to be joined with you. And, um, and the church is glorious and the church is universal and I shouldn't really say this is my favorite, but it is. <laughs> and, um, and I appreciate family. And I love the principle of family. I love seeing families expressed, but my favorite family is my family. It's the Jones household. And one of the things that Sarah and I have learned over the years, over the last 23 years, is when you get married, you start to create a culture in your home, in your marriage. You start to have to learn to live with other people. Well, another person. Let's not be weird about it. <laughs> 
And then as God added children to our family, to our home, a culture has to develop. Values start to become predominantly prevalent and things that we major on, things that we really hold up as important have become our family values. And many of them will be family values that many other families share. But there are things for us that we also really promote at home. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Do you have, in your, in your family or growing up in, in your family when you were growing up, did you have values, things that you know, this really mattered to my parents or this really mattered to my grandparents, or, this really mattered to us as siblings? There are certain things, certain distinctives. And in our home, one of the things that we've um, really kind of value is a sense of team. That it's not all on me to do all the housework. Okay? Why are you laughing? <laughs> that our home is our home. And therefore we're all responsible for it. We're all stewards of it. We all have responsibility to play our part in the home. We all pitch in. Our dog is our dog. Which means Dougie belongs to everybody. And that means some of the responsibilities that go with that. There's a sense of team and togetherness. And I love that about our family. We really love food. Surprise, surprise. And so around the table, it's important that we get around the table as much as we possibly can. And those things change as our children get older. Some of those things you, you kind of keep and some things have to loosen a little bit, but you still try and kind of pull them in and, 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 and retain these bits of values. We love music. We love to listen to music. When we're driving in a car anywhere, we all choose a song each and MC somebody, either Isaac, Martha or Elijah, plays the song list and we listen to each other's songs. We have traditions around Christmas and birthdays. Birthday mornings, we all come downstairs and then the person whose birthday it is walks into the kitchen to the dulcet tones of Stevie Wonder. Singing, I just called to say I love you. No, I didn't. <laughs> but these are things in our, in our home. Church and gatherings and youth. The children come into things and being part of things in the life of the church. Our core values that we won't budge on. Our boys didn't play football on Sunday mornings, even though that's when their teams played, because church is where it's at. And that's a family value. And so we all have these values. And one of the things I just wanted to, to look at together today was living rock church family values. And this isn't exhaustive, but it's important that we understand who it is we're at, what sort of culture we want to guard, protect, strive for. Not because we're not doing it, but just to remind ourselves of these things. And so I just want to say this, one of the great things is, it doesn't quite look like it this morning, because this midsection is bare, <laughs> but we are growing. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are growing. And growth is exciting, and growth is challenging, and growth is wonderful, and growth is what God wants for us. And um, when I was reading about the church here, I was thinking, the church in Acts, in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, is a church of expectation, a church of eagerness, a church of readiness, a church of generosity and a church that was welcoming. I believe that the church was welcoming. And so I want us to consider just these five things about coming together expectantly, coming together early, coming together ready, coming to give and coming to meet new people. And I've, I've got some people I've asked to come and share in a moment about some of these things. But the first thing I just want to talk about is coming expectant. And I just ask, does anybody ever come on a Sunday morning and feel expectant about what God's going to do? Yes. About what God's going to say? About encountering Jesus together in worship? I still cast my mind back to lockdown. 
I don't want to keep going back to lockdown, but, and, and, and the transition out of lockdown. When we could gather together, but it was socially distanced, the windows were open, everybody was wearing masks, nobody quite knew what to do, and we weren't allowed to sing. And I wrote to Alberto Costa, our MP, to say, let us sing, Alberto. And he said, no. So we didn't. Because God's put rulers, and we have to obey our, our leaders. But, but, I, but as, as soon as then we were singing behind masks, nobody was quite sure who was singing, but we definitely knew there was some singing. And then the masks went, and then the hugs began. Initially a fist bump, then an elbow, then a side one, then a full one. <laughs> but just that ability, that expectancy was fresh for me about regathering. I don't know about you, but for me it was fresh. To be able to gather and worship and sing together, encounter God together, to be in the same room as my brothers and sisters. As much as I love my family, Sunday morning in the sitting room is not the same. With Davis Leob online. Remember this, the signing name of Davis Leob. I'll never forget David Lyon signing in as Davis Leob. Anyway. And these are significant times. God is speaking that the presence of God among us, our worship, our fellowship, the discipleship. Can I just honor so many people here, I can't name you all, who are looking to help others grow in their faith. Yeah, it is happening in this church in a way that blesses the socks off me and blesses the socks of us as elders, that, that there's an understanding in this church that we're all responsible for one another in our growth together. That is evident among us, that we're expectant when we gather. And that if we're expectant, then I believe the next thing is kind of an inevitable outcome. And it's this, that we come early. So I've asked Sarah to talk about coming early because she would, well, she'll explain why in a minute. Um, for those of you that don't know me so well, I am, um, I'm not always on time. <laughs> um, so I've got a top tip for those who have the same challenge as me um, about Sunday mornings and getting here on time. So this, it's not relevant for everyone. It's relevant for those that are optimistic with what they can do with their time in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's for those people who think they can do just one more thing. It's for those people who look at the clock, see the time, have it freeze at that time to 10 more things and don't move the clock on. You're the people that I'm sharing this tip with this morning. So my tip is, very simple, give yourself a fake time to get here. Um, and I had to do this a very long time ago, and particularly when the children were little. So my time to leave the house for church on a Sunday morning, even though I live five minutes drive away, is 9.30. And I'm late every week. <laughs> and it's not Richard and it's not the children. It's me. I'm late every week. Um, but you don't know that because I have a fake time and I'm here well before 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And that's really important. And God showed me years ago how important it was for me to be here on time on a Sunday morning. Not just to bless those that get here even earlier to do the things in advance for us, but to, um, to worship Jesus. Um, and especially when the children were little, it's really hard to get yourself to places on time. And on a Sunday morning, Richard 
He was out at work, as it was. He only works one day a week. <laughs> Half a day on a Sunday. Um, so that morning, he wasn't available. So, so Sunday mornings, it was me and the children and getting up and getting out. It's a challenge. Um, and it's still a challenge for me. Um, so, so the tips are make a plan. Um, I make a plan the night before. Plan what time I'm going to get up. Plan what time I'm going to have a shower. So last night, I sat on the sofa with Rich. It's like, I've realized we're all trying to get in the shower at the same time on a Sunday. So now I'm going to make sure that I get up and immediately have a shower so that I'm not blocking the queue. So these are just little practical things that help us in our house on a Sunday morning. The other thing is that I realized this morning I have to make an active choice to decide not to do one more thing. So this morning I sat eating my breakfast thinking, I wonder what the seeds are doing in the greenhouse. But I had to decide not to go and check on them. They'll still be there later on. I had to decide not to check on them. I had to decide not to tidy the playroom up as I passed it. And I had to continue on my journey to get the shower so that I could be here on time on a Sunday morning. Um, and it's because I do everything unto the Lord. So God knows when I'm on time. He knows when I'm late. And I want to show him that I love him by getting here to be with you lots, to worship together when worship starts. I don't want to miss out. Um, so that's my top tip for a Sunday morning. Give yourself a fake time to get here for. Leave your house at a fake time so that you are never late. Uh, can we just pray for the seeds in the greenhouse right now because they're feeling quite abandoned and forgotten and one of the things I just want to emphasize as well is how many people come early to serve and how sometimes if we're late it has an impact on their ability to be able to join the meeting so the guys who do the car parking are out sometimes in the rain they hear from 9.30 particularly handsome car parking attendants this morning I thought with New Balance trainers looking very cool um, but just that we're honouring those who are serving. People who do child check-in cannot leave the foyer until all of the families have come in and they've checked everybody in. So, so our lateness has an impact, a knock-on effect on others as well. So it's just a pref- in our preferring of one another. And we understand that there are legitimate reasons for being late. Please don't think that we're having a go. But, but just as Sarah said, that we can set a culture where we really honour our timekeeping together. Is that okay? I hope that doesn't sound too heavy, but we just, that it's important that we do that. The next thing, uh, I've asked Alex and Lisa if they would come and share about what it means to come ready. Let's give them a round of applause. I'll take that off. Cool. So one of the verses that I looked at about why we come together was 2 Chronicles 7, 1 to 3. And it says this, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifice. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. It's just awesome, isn't it? It's just awesome. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. 
That's just amazing. When all the people of Israel saw this, and then it says some more, but then it said they fell down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord. Now, this is Old Testament times, and they were getting that. It was special. It was an awesome move of God. But it was Old Testament times. We live in New Testament times when the, when the Holy Spirit has come. So this is kind of linking a bit of come expecting. But, but as we come, our expectation is that God's going to do far more than that here, right here. And I want that to happen. And I want us all to do that. And, I, we, and we desperately want that for the children here as well. Um, God, and I was thinking as well of the, the coronation, okay, and I was just thinking it through. I was thinking of the coronation. As the king walks in, as the king walked down, every eye was there. Everybody was watching. Everybody was there. Nobody had their head down on their phone playing Candy Crush. Sorry. But they didn't. Everybody was watching, weren't they? They were all there and, and ready to be part of and eager to be part of. And, and I know we're all at different stages of our revelation on that. But we just want to... We want this to be such an amazing place where God is moving in power in so many lives and touching so many children as well, which is just, which is just wonderful. Um, just want to share a little bit about some of the things that we do in Hot Rock as well upstairs. Um, a couple of weeks ago during Momentum, we had a time of worship, and it was wonderful. Patrick and Elijah and, I, and Helen and our, a bunch of the worship team joined us as well, which was wonderful. And, and we sort of... It's a very different dynamic. We weren't just entertaining. We weren't just doing action songs. What we were there, my heart for it, was for the children to encounter God, for them to hear God, for them to get a revelation of who God is. And, and that's part of our revelation of, of coming on a, on a Sunday as well. And, and we, we, we were worshipping, and it was just wonderful. We gave the opportunity for the children. It took a time to get there. It took a bit of work. We, we sort of stepped up, and then the, the kids kind of in their faith sort of extended their faith a bit, and then we, we nudged them forward, and, and their faith came. Patrick sort of described it as that. And it was just wonderful to see. And then, and then we got to a point where we were ready for just to sit and receive and hear from God. And the words that came from the children, the words of, um, you know, the words of encouragement, the prayer, the revelation of who God was. And, and that is our children. And that can be your children. So come, come ready for your children to hear from God. You know, be practicing that. Please, you know, be encouraging each other in, in your life groups. If someone's a new Christian, you know, they're a child in, in God. Come, come with that, which is just wonderful. Um, some practicalities. Oh, as well with 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 the kids contributing. Is Lawrence? No, Lawrence. Lawrence up a hot rock. I remember when Russ used to lead worship back in the Rocker Life days when we we're at Enderby Civic Centre. Who who regularly brought words when you were leading worship? Lauren, didn't she? But you'd prepared. Hadn't you? You'd come ready. And I remember you sharing that you used to pray with her beforehand. And regularly, Lauren was bringing words. Lexi, I saw her a couple of weeks ago wanting to come and eager to share. Will, when he was sharing the word with, with, um, with Ted a few weeks ago and other children that have brought words. Let's be talking to our kids. Let's be praying with our children. You guys be stirring. Let it not be the same people that are bringing words. Come ready to, to, to contribute, which is just wonderful when we see that. It's so beautiful when you see um, a pure heart just sharing a revelation of God. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, 
the practicality of it is difficult as well. Um, with younger children concentrating in, in a meeting, it's, it's tough. You know, younger, younger kids trying to, you know, sort of get through a worship time. But it's always focusing the children back to honouring God. And I know loads of families have got Sunday bags and, and talk to each other about what you've got in your Sunday bags. These guys have got these little lecture sketch tablet things, haven't they? They're fantastic. And other children have got those as well. Notebooks, plain notebooks where people... Um, you, you hear a song, you hear a word, you hear a phrase, and you're drawing and writing about what you've heard from God. But that is wonderful as well. You know, bring the things, bring the snacks, bring the things that help them. But bring food, bring food. But always think about what you're bringing. Is it, is it encouraging? Is it honoring to God what, you, what you've got? And I know, I know a lot of parents put a lot of thought into about what they bring, what's inside their bags. So talk to each other about that. Share, share what you bring and, and what things help and, and point children to God and what things distract or maybe distract other children from God as well. So please, you know, think about that and consider that. Um, Lisa's got a few things as well, which is wonderful. He's overlapping on my bit. <laughs> I'm going to sneak in. Okay, um, one thing I wanted to share as well was, you know, um, in Psalm 8.2, there's a verse that says, um, out of the mouths of children and babes, you have ordained praise. I find that really powerful as a verse because I believe that children have no small version of the Holy Spirit. They have no mini version and they have no beginning. They have the fullness of God. They're just in a small body. <laughs> um, so when we come, let's come expectant and ready for God to move in them. And when Richard read that verse in Colossians a minute ago about um, Christ in us, We've got Christ in us, and our children have Christ in them. So let's come ready to, to minister that Christ-like nature of God to all of us together. There are things, you, our children, all of us, no matter how old we are, have something to bring. And our children have a role to play. They're not here to just spectate while we do the big church. They're here to play their part, and we want to facilitate that as family. I also love that this is a wonderful family. Phyllis came to me this morning and she said, I love this church. This is such a great family. And it is. It's a great place to be because I know I can chat to Phyllis and I can ask her to help with my kids and minister to them. There are people here who have served my family for many years and I really appreciate the wider family that we are together. Um, just really practically, just building on from what Alex said, you know when we're like in worship times, one thing we found with our children was even just finding a space where you could see the words. I know it sounds really obvious, but sometimes if we're sitting at the back and you've got a child who's this high, they can't see the words and you're having to help them engage with worship. So find a space on the end of a row or come nearer the front where you can help them to see practically what the words are so they can hear and join in. Stand with others who help you worship. Find people who you think, oh, I want to worship like them. Stand alongside them, adopt them as your people, <laughs> and they model worship for you. And if you're not comfortable worshiping yourself or you find that's something you're growing in a revelation of, then find people who think, oh, I'd love to worship like them. Go and hang out with them. Spend time with them and learn from them. And my main thing is stand. When you arrive, come standing. If you come and you sit down and you stay sat down for a while, you're going to start in a, a more refined place. There are weeks, we've all had them, where you're tired, there's things that have gone on. But if you come and you stand right from the outset and you encourage your children to do the same, there is an, a physical expectation. Your posture says, I'm ready to receive and I'm ready to do something with God here. If your children are busy and fidgety, like we were saying, don't stand in a big space because they, are, they run. If you go up to Hot Rock, honestly, we have to hem them in because <laughs> they love that long room and they just go. So if you know your children are likely to run, and I've chatted this through with a couple of families to check, 
it's helpful to hem them in, to find them a safe space that you're happy for them to move in. It might be just in front of you. I love the fact that they all dance in the corner there. That's great. But it's a safe space where they can, all the families look after each other. But it may be that you need to hold on to them. It may be you need to carry them. Physical touch really helps children engage. <laughs> if you've got your arm around them, if you're carrying them, if you've got your hand on their shoulder, just something that acknowledges, I see you, I'm here, I'm watching. It just helps you, helps them to know that you're with them and you're worshipping alongside. Um, and then sometimes you might need to sit down. There are weeks when they just need to sit and do something quiet, like one of their little fidget toys or get their notebooks out. It's fine for you to sit with them. That, God knows your heart, but then be ready for them to stand back up again. I know with our children, there have been seasons where they all get really self-conscious and they start thinking, oh, I don't want to be seen standing and dancing and worshipping. I'm too cool for that. But encourage them to do that because there's a time where you kind of, we used to say, stand for a couple of songs. We want you to join in for a couple of songs. And then after that, you can sit for a couple, but we expect you to join back in again in a minute because we're not accepting that this mindset is going to continue. And you ride the wave and then they come back. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I can't wait for worship. You know. So we've been there. We know it kind of comes and goes, but hang in because we're honoring the King of Kings. Um, we've come to worship Jesus. We've come to encounter him. So when um, Judith brought that song today, I was thinking, I was looking for a child to say, oh, do you know what that means? <laughs> because sometimes it's just explaining what that means. It, we know as adults, we might go, oh, I know, I get what that she was saying or what some of the prophetic words are. But sometimes we assume that children get it, but they don't. When we say the Lamb of God, what does that mean for a child? They picture a little fluffy lamb. Why is he the Lamb of God? Find a verse in the Bible or ask someone to help you and say, well, that's why we're singing to him as the Lamb of God. He's the King of Kings, just like you saw in the coronation last week. Do you remember when the king came in? It was a ceremony. He was powerful. He was mighty. He's got rule. That's what Jesus is like for us. So find things in, the, in your day-to-day -day life that represent what God is doing in, in the songs and the words. And just to finish off, really, um, when someone is praying or prophesying, we used to say to our children, stop talking. It was a really practical thing because if God is speaking, and like he did this morning again, we want our children to be hearing what God is saying to us. It's really important that that word is for them and not just for all of us as adults. It's not just like, oh, you carry on a minute, God's saying something, I just need to listen. You need, they need to hear it. And it may be that God wants to plant something in them that we need to hear back from them afterwards. So God's saying something to you. So when Richard said then, raise your hands, um, join in and respond, that would be a point to say, right, kids, we need to respond now. There's been an instruction to the church, of which you are part. Stand up, raise your hands, and expect God to speak through you. So let's just facilitate them to encounter the King of Kings. And my final plug is serve together as well, because if they meet other people who are adults who they can get to know beyond your family and learn modeling from that as well. That's a great way to worship in a different way. Anyway, sorry we said a lot, but... <laughs> well That's all right. Thank you. And I just want to emphasize how much we love having children in our meetings and how many people say, it's great how many children and young people you've got. We love that. Um, but just a couple of very specific practical things is that after the meeting is finished on a Sunday, we would ask that no children are allowed to go upstairs. There have been a few instances where children have gone upstairs because that's where Hot Rock is and that's where all the exciting stuff happens. But as parents, to encourage everybody to keep an eye on your children after the meeting or ask somebody that you know and trust to keep an eye on your ch child if you need to talk or if you need ministry and someone to pray with you. And just as a, a thing as well, last Sunday, Janet Young was in the foyer. She came to me. Her lovely white top was covered in coffee because a child had run into her in the foyer, 
knocked the coffee cup and spilled coffee down her front. And so we just need to be really careful and mindful of each other and that we just keep an eye on our children in particular and, and, and sometimes to give permission to other people that we know to say to our children, if they see them running around, they give them the permission to say, stop running around. Yeah. You just need to calm down a little bit now because there's lots of people um, that, that are here. So that's just a, little, just a few little practical things there. Now, the next person I'd like to invite forward is Pete Bennett. So Pete, if you'd like to come on down. Do you want me to come to you or are you going to come on down? The price is right. And uh, Pete's going to talk about what it means to uh, come giving, ready to give. Let's give Pete a round of applause as well. Thank you. That's a good thing about this church. You get a crib sheet. Bless you. Thank you. Right, as you just said, I'm Pete Bennett, married to Pauline, live at Sapcut, just up the road. And the most important thing is, I've been doing this for 23 years. Thank you. So, during that 23 years, we've done car park, we've done greetings. What else have we done? We've written letters for people. We filled in forms. And most of all, we've been life group leaders. So we've served. And I'm not blowing our trumpet, but what I'm saying is, if I can do it, we can all do it. Thank you, Joss. Um, so, you know, if you've got something to bring, if God gives you a word or, or says there's a hymn, there's a prayer, bring it. Share it. But remember, we do have an eldership. And before you say anything, just run it past them. Because it might not be appropriate for that day. I'm sure it will be, but you never know, do you? And also, when you get old, I mean, we're both pushing either side of 80. Um, and he said one day, you can't do car park sitting on a stool waving your stick at people. <laughs> you know, and I thought, yeah, perhaps it's time to give up and let somebody else do it. Um, but then the Lord spoke to us and he said, you can serve at home. And there's an illustration. The other way, we had a leak, water leak. So the plumber comes along, bless him. Young lad, 35-ish. And, and he said, da-da-da-da-da, uh, yeah. And he got on with his job. And we start talking to him. And he finishes, does a good job. We have a cup of tea with him. Talk to him. And he said... Um, do you know, he said, I was going to commit suicide today. And you think, wow. And we chatted and we talked. And after about an hour, he said, I'm going now. But do you know, he said, the Lord meant me to come here today. So he went away with a book, a Bible, as, as we tend to do. And the Lord said to us, don't worry about going to them. They will come to you. And the same thing applies 
when you're in this establishment. At Christmas, we sat down with 17 people for Christmas dinner. And we were related to nobody. Not biologically. But there were people that we talked to, had interactions with, had helped. And, and, and now it's formed part of a larger family. And, and this is so important that we all stick together, we all pull together. If you can help somebody, you will. We know that. I can't do anything physically anymore, but can help somebody write a letter. I can help somebody fill in a form. And I think this is so important, that, especially as oldies. We've got so much experience. We've made so many mistakes. You know. But we can say to people, don't do it that way, because it all goes pear-shaped. You know. So really, that, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Apart from the other thing, and that's... I went to Sunday school when I was three. I went with my mate Jeff across the road, and we went to the, uh, the, the church they went to, um, Methodist as it happened. And then when I was in my teens, I went to the Church of England school. I went there because there were more girls and they were prettier than the ones. <laughs> but there you go, hormones racing, that's what happens when you're growing up. And um, then I went to work. And I worked shifts. So Sundays were out because I worked most Sundays. Then when I got to my 40s, I was ill. And I'm lying in intensive care and I'm watching all the monitors. And I suddenly realised I'm not in charge. I can't do a thing about this. I'm in, some, I'm in other people's hands. And that's when I prayed to the Lord and said, Jesus, get me out of this. You know, and we'll have a better relationship. And that brought me back to the Lord. But in all those times that I've been going to church, and well, I went back to Church of England, was confirmed in Leicester Cathedral, went back to a congregational church, and the only time tithing or giving was ever mentioned was if somebody managed to get to the passage of Melchizedek and it, this 10% came up in there. Now, what's all this about? But we came to Living Rock, or Rock of Life, as it was then. And for the first time, actually got some proper teaching. Somebody actually went through and explained things. And so we started tithing. And I have to say, my wife, now she has an honours degree in maths, so she can add up. And uh, suddenly I kept saying, you know, I can't see where this money's coming from. You know, we, we seem to have more than we should have, you know. And that's been ever since, ever since we've tithed and given generously and supported a lot of things. The Lord has really blessed us. And, and that's just one little thing I've just thought I'd throw in on the end because it, it says I've got to, you know. And, and if the boss says you've got to, you've got to.
Yeah, although, although that was Peter, that was Peter on behalf of Pete and Pauline. <laughs> That's great. And just, just to say, as, we, as I think about this church family and as we think about the church family, pray for the church, we are so blessed with the diversity, the gifts, the abilities, the skills, the experience that we have. And just we're so grateful to God for the, and for everybody's generosity, which is exceptional. We are an exceptionally generous people. The last uh, couple I'd like to invite forward as we finish is um, Stefan and Abby to talk about coming to welcome new people. So let's give Stefan and Abby a nice warm welcome. Morning, chat. Um, so whilst I've kind of grown up when I was younger in this church um, and my family have been in this church for years, actually Stefan and myself spent most of our 20s in a different church. Um, so we started making the move back to Living Rock um, kind of mid-2020 because lockdown was happening and this church had a great online presence. We were able to access everything, which um, was really important for us, as I'm sure many others here. And it was really important for us to find somewhere that our daughter could get involved in. Um, so that's when we started sort of attending more meetings here. So despite being familiar with going to church for many years, um, I'd say that attending somewhere new still has its challenges. I'm, so I'm like, because of remembering our challenges, sort of switching between congregations, I'm even more mindful, I think, of the experience of those coming into church with maybe little to no church experience behind them. So kind of things like not knowing the songs, when to lift your arms or whether you're going to do that at all, what other people are doing in terms of that, when you sit, stand, um, when you put the children in their groups, is that right at the start, is that midway through, um, what even, like Lisa said, some of the language, some of the phrases that are very church specific and if you're not from a church background, do you, you know, what do some of those things mean? Um, even how to take communion, where to sit, the list goes on. Um, so I just really feel it's important to do what I can to make people who aren't familiar with church um, just to feel welcomed, reassured, included, and ultimately not to walk out feeling rejected or like they didn't fit in or that no one cared that they were there. So like thinking back to when I first started here, um, the congregation here is so different compared to our old church. Um, so it's actually quite daunting and overwhelming to see the size of everybody here. Um, but it is also something that now I kind of feel it's actually a blessing. Um, again, being quite new, you could come in and you could feel quite lost or you might, you know, if you sit towards the back, sometimes you might come in and think, actually, no one's seen me. And you feel like you've been lost amongst the numbers. Um, but as time has gone on, it's something that I've noticed, actually, we do really well in terms of actually trying to get around and actually see somebody, whether it be ourselves or somebody else, somebody actually does make that effort to just kind of say hello. I think like another challenge, even if you've come from a church background, you know, each church does its, does its things differently. Um, so, and that can take up a lot of energy, working out, for instance, the dress code. Is this a more casual type of church? Do you have to come formal with a Sunday hat on? If people are used to an Anglican background and they're used to pews and certain hymns and things, just the format can feel so different. Um, even who can share in the Sunday meeting and how that's done. Previously, we've been in a church where maybe it was mostly just the pastor who shared. So this format where people are coming and bringing and sharing, you know, as a newcomer, some of these things can feel quite... Um, there's a lot to, to try and unpack 
can get your head around and you want to if you want to be a part of a church that's a lot to try and pick up isn't it quite quickly so there's some of the challenges that we remembered kind of moving from one place to another and what we've noticed and what's really kind of blessed us over the time uh, is the interaction with people um, Rich mentioned the car park attendants and as soon as you pull up they're smiling they're saying hello good morning you enter the church building again somebody there to greet you with a smile good morning how are you um, as well as that just outside of church you've got people wanting to make time with you um, I've noticed that a lot more coming here that I've spent time with Mike you know Ben Morris I've spent time with Rich in life group um, which is one of the things that I would say has blessed me a lot. Um, just being able to share with people on a more intimate setting. Uh, it's not so informal, or not so formal, shall I say. Um, but you actually get to know people on a more deeper personal level. Um, again, it's people that you've probably got a similar interest with. Sometimes it's not. But it just makes it a lot more fun and exciting if you have got something to share. Um, but a very key point for us is actually all the volunteers that have helped make Ori feel welcomed because that has made us feel more settled as a family. Yeah, and the children's work. So in terms of um, now that we've more established here and looking out for others, I tend to sort of be like, you know when you arrive at the meeting and you've got your little seats and you're setting everything up, I like to do a little scan of the area around me just to try and take note if there's anyone that I haven't seen before. Um, and I probably tend to particularly maybe notice people who are more like in our age bracket or maybe a similar family situation. Maybe they've got a couple of young children um, that I've not recognised. And unfortunately, I actually don't recognise faces. It takes me quite some time to actually hold the memory of someone's face. So once I've spotted what I think could be a new family, I have to qualify it with Stefan and um, point them out to him and say, are they new or not? Have you seen them? Sometimes he's like, yes, I mean, they've been five times before at least. Other times um, he's like, oh, no, I think they're new. And I just kind of have to qualify it with him. Two reasons. Um, usually I'll then make it his responsibility to go and introduce us. Um, and also um, just so that it is on his radar, so that we've both kind of identified, oh, well, there's maybe like a new family. Like, I hope they're doing okay, really. So, yeah, as Abby mentioned, I'm probably more extroverted out of the two of us. Um, so, yeah, once she has pointed somebody out or we've noticed somebody that is new, um, I'd obviously go over, I'd say hello, a bit of small talk, background, where you're from, um, and just start to get to know them. Um, I'll ask them if they've had a cup of tea or biscuit or cake, depending on what we've got on, um, and then just have a little bit of a conversation about things they're doing, if they've got children, their names, ages, things like that. And then I'll also mention that I've got a wife and, you know, mention the children and just bring them in so they, again, know somebody else as well as just myself and they actually feel a bit more welcomed. Yeah, so just in terms of initiating some of that conversation, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like small talk's my strength, but ways that I'll just try and pick up bits of conversation. Just asking first of all about their, is this the first time you've been to this church? This is the first time you've been to church full stop? Like where, you know, what's their background? Where have they come from? What's their situation? If they, for instance, come for an all-age service, as it happens, I'll kind of maybe explain how that differs to what they might find if they come on another day of, like, another Sunday, or vice versa. If they have, have like, maybe a couple with children and we, they've come to a typical Sunday, I'll also explain about we also have these all-age services and just give them a bit of a heads-up about what they might find as they come on different Sundays. Um, maybe point out some key people, so maybe who some of the elders are or maybe some children's work volunteers if they're, like, relevant to that particular age group. 
Um, if I'm really struggling for conversation content, I can just do a bit of a who's who in terms of like who I might be related to in the church, brother, sister, nieces, nephews, because that can use up a fair bit of time. Just That's a good conversation filler as well. Um, and also just being able to even invite them to a life group. Like Stefan said, that's been such a blessing for us to be able to have those smaller, more intimate settings where you can really build up some solid relationships as well as um, just have a platform to be able to ask a few more of those questions about like, well, what did they mean when they said this on a Sunday and how do you navigate this in church? Maybe some of the tips that Alex and Lisa have shared about how we kind of set your children up for a Sunday morning. You can practically hand over things like that in a life group setting. So yeah, just being able to invite them to life groups and to socials I think is also a really useful tool for us yeah um, and as well as like Abby said obviously speaking to them about their children and like their hobbies um, what we'll also try and do when we know somebody who is quite new to the church is actually coming we'll try and save them a seat near us so they feel welcomed and feel included um, and then again Rich you touched on this about obviously if they have got children at the end of the service, somebody new might notice them and go, oh, actually, I've not spoken to this person. And I'll go, I'll watch your children or I'll get them a biscuit just so that they can actually have that bit of time to talk to somebody else, grow in their friendship and relationships while they're in the church, but at least they know their children are actually looked after as well so that they're not alone. Yeah, so... Yeah, none of this is groundbreaking, but it's just something that we feel is important to do. We genuinely want to make friends with others and get to know them in their situations and just do what we can to make coming to church feel as easy and as comfortable as possible whilst everything's still so new to them. Um, getting to see people come into the church body and find their feet and strengthen their relationship with God is something that we feel is really important. And if we can do something little to make that easier for others, then that's what we just try and do. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.